You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. All right, good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Thank you. Appreciate you. I don't know if the baptism team's still hanging around there, but y'all got me sweating already. I'll take one of them towels if you got it. Good night. We off to a good start this morning, are we not? Man, I'm going to tell you right now, gosh, you know, sometimes you just got to get in the presence of God. You know what happens when we get in the presence of God? This big old problem. Oh, let's go. Come on. I'm going to keep this right here with me. You know what kind of service this is going to be. Let's go ahead and break that bad boy out. Y'all ready to do some work this morning? All right. I like it. It's hot up here. But you know what the presence of God does? It makes these problems that we have in our life that we give way too much credit for, that we balloon up to this big, it puts them in their proper place and it puts them under our feet. I think that's what happened this morning. And so I'm excited to be here with you guys. It's only going to get better. And we got a topic that I'm just excited to be talking with you guys about. we got a, a series that we started this last week called Made for Heaven. Made for Heaven. And that is such a thought-provoking statement. You see, our minds have so much trouble truly understanding a statement like that. Made for heaven. What does that even look like? In fact, all of society has really kind of wrestled with this same idea of what if there's more? There's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing. At least I hope and pray to Jesus that there's more than what this earth can offer. I mean, I don't know about you, but I woke up to a, 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 a notification that they were shutting Sudan down, right? Getting our embassy out of there because there's, there's just strife in the world. I hope that there's more to this life than what this earth can, can offer, okay? Civilizations have struggled with this idea uh, of what happens in life after death. Where do we go from here? This, this sense that we will live forever somewhere has shaped civilization for all of human history, right? We put this down here, but if I need to pick it back up, I'm going to pick it up, all right? But if you look through civilizations, this has been a struggle. This has been a thought process. Australian Aborigines, they pictured heaven as this, As they looked over the western horizon, they thought that heaven was some distant island somewhere out there, okay? Mexicans, Peruvians, Polynesians, they believed that when they died, they would go to the sun or to the moon. Native Americans believed early on that in this afterlife that that their spirits would chase the spirits of buffalo. In the pyramids... Of Egypt, the embalmed bodies have maps placed on the inside of them as guides to the future world. There's this idea of something has to happen in life after death. The Romans believed that the righteous, the gods of their day, would picnic and enjoy life in this place called the Elysian Fields, and right alongside of them would be their horses grazing in those fields. Now, although these depictions of the afterlife, they differ, the unifying story of of the human heart all throughout history is this belief in life after death, okay? 
Anthropological evidence suggests that every single culture has a God-given innate sense of the eternal. Let's say that a little bit easier, okay? This world is not all there is, okay? Now, there is something on the inside of every human being, you and me, this desire, this push towards Eden. Now, idolatry, by its very nature, has this built-in inflation factor. Okay, let me, let me explain what I just said there. Once men, doesn't matter what society, doesn't matter what generation, once men reject the one true God, they reject this idea of one omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God in favor of lesser deities. Here's what they are eventually going to discover through a whole lot of frustration is that it takes an infinite number of lesser deities to endlessly try to fill the shoes of our one true God. This has been something that has been wrestled with. Romans chapter 8 says this, that all of creation itself will be liberated from its bondage. This, this thing that we're always chasing after that keeps us in bondage to what this earth can bring, to the decay but we are going to be brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in these pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now, there has been a massive societal shift over many, many decades. Um, and here's what the shift looks like. The shift is, is shifting from being heaven-minded to over the last couple decades even almost to a century, is we've been become obsessed with being earthly-minded. Almost in a sense that this earth has way more to offer than what heaven can give to us. And we're stuck in this deception of the here and now. That's the very definition of idolatry, this, this intense admiration for the things of this earth. Surely, you know, it may not have an altar, Okay? It, it may not be this little figure that so many people put in their yards, that little Buddha figure that means nothing, but yet they do it, and they sit there and look at it, I don't know why. It may not have one of those things, but yet this thinking is idolatry nonetheless. But I think it's the very reason why you see so many people grabbing at an infinite number of things that this world convinces us is going to make a difference in our life. There's only one thing that can fill that. It's the one true God. Which is why I believe it's really, really important for us to increase our understanding of what the Bible says about heaven. It, 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 here's what it does. It, is, it adjusts our expectations for this life in such an amazing way. How many of you guys have ever had a friend and they just talked a movie up like crazy? And then you go to it and you're like, eh. It ended up being like awful because of how high they built this thing up, right? You guys do the same thing every single uh, holiday when you go visit your in-laws. Like you build it up in your head like surely this is going to be the time where they behave. And then what do they do? They say something stupid. They let you down, right? You've built this thing up. Your expectations were so high and then they were just smashed. Let me give you a hint. If you go in not expecting anything, you're going to come out of that, that meeting with your in-laws going, oh, not bad. I can handle that, right? 
But it's this, it's, it's this adjustment of expectation. Heaven does the same thing for us in this life, but it does it in such an amazing way. It focuses our vision on what truly matters in this life. The more we dive into this topic, the more we try to gain understanding of this topic, the more it's going to adjust our expectations, but it's going to do so in such an amazing way. Last week in the interview with Bobby Brunson, which by the way, was that not incredible to be a part of? I was watching it and just got chills the moment that he did it. It was such an amazing uh, interview to, to witness and be a part of and to, and to listen. And I appreciate his vulnerability in telling us that story. One of the things that he talked about repeatedly that really kind of jumped out to me last week was this. It's this statement of how quickly death comes. It comes so fast. Bobby Brunson was not the only one that had this thought that was present on his mind. David actually talked about this in the Bible a good bit. And in 1 Samuel chapter 20, here's what he says about this topic. He says, your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes, yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. It's only a step. It can happen so quickly. You see, David had lived enough life at this point. He'd been in the fields and handled all the lions and all the bears and all the stuff over there. He had handled Goliath. He had handled running from a king, the king who had endless resources to come after him. He had lived enough life and had enough situations that he realized how fragile that this life can be. And it really is a profound thought. It's something that I really think that we should give more attention to. Because as human beings, we have this problem. We all have a terminal disease. It's called mortality. It's 100%. It is inevitable. Every single day, 184,000 people will either go to heaven or they'll go to hell. The only way to cheat this is if Jesus decides to come back a little early, right? That's the only way that we can cheat this. It's, it's inevitable that we're going to have this happen. Now, I know this is not a topic that you guys wake up every day wanting to talk about. Like, man, I really hope we talk about death this week in a church, right? I know it's not. But the reality is, yes, it's sad, but we do. We all die. Rich people die. Poor people die. Brilliant scholars die. Illiterate people die. Strong people, weak people, but guess what? To get to where we're going, even church membership doesn't get you into heaven. Being good doesn't get you into heaven. Being rich doesn't get you into heaven. Being smart won't get you into heaven. There is only one way in which you and I will get to heaven, and it's by the blood of Jesus. It's by the salvation piece that Jesus gives the opportunity for every single one of us to receive. <laughs> David, in the book of Psalms, he's thinking about this whole process, and listen to what he says in Psalms 39. He says, teach me, God. Teach me about the end of my life. Teach me about the number of days that I have left so that I may know how temporary this life is. Indeed, you have made the length of my days only a few inches. My lifespan is nothing compared to yours. Certainly everyone alive is like a whisper in the wind. 
You see, it's no wonder that every single civilization on this earth has been obsessed with this idea of eternity and what happens when we die. But I think it's the very thing that should keep us more focused on, on what's to come and it'll keep us less tied down to what we think this earth can give. Baylor and I were on the way home from our uh, vacation this past spring break. And we're driving home, it's just me and him, and we're listening to this last week's service. And what a 45-minute service should take to listen to ended up being a two-hour session, okay? What happened was as Bobby Brunson was talking, as Eddie was asking questions, Baylor got very intrigued, and he would begin to ask. And so I would, every single time he would ask a question, I would pause it, and we would talk about it for as long as we want. And here's what I love so much about this. What I loved about it is I got to see how the mind of a child thinks about heaven. Spoiler alert, they're way better at it than we are as adults. And we took the next two hours just really talking about this whole process. Um, and and here's, here's the thing is, as we were discussing it, the majority of it made sense. But there was one topic that he really struggled with, and it really kind of makes sense when you look at his age, you look at the season of life, but it's this topic that we're talking about is how fleeting life can be. We can be here one day and gone the next. This life is like a whisper. It's like a vapor, Scripture says. And so I was trying to help him understand this, and I said, well, you know what? Your favorite candy is Skittles, so that seems like a great way to explain how life is, right? So I went off on this example, and I said, buddy, if I could give you two bowls of Skittles, and in the first bowl of Skittles, I'm going to give you 90 Skittles, and immediately he interrupts. He's like, yeah, let's go, Dad. Can I get that now? Right? And we actually had a batter of Reese's because that's the candy that I like, and we, like, demolished that bag right there in that moment. Um, but I asked him, I said, would you, would you want that bowl? And, of course, he's, oh, my gosh, yes. I said, but what if I told you in this other bowl that we have that you could endlessly take handfuls and handfuls of Skittles, and that bowl will never run out of Skittles? Because, Dad, does that exist? And I said, that, that, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Yes, this time on earth, it seems like a long time, doesn't it, buddy? But it pales in comparison to what eternity in heaven is going to be like. It made sense to him, but that's the thing that is such a struggle for us as humans to grasp and understand heaven. We don't have words in our dictionary that gives us proper words to describe what this place is going to be like. One of the people that uh, had trouble explaining this, this is how they worded it, and I thought it was pretty good. Let's just say that we have a 2D stick figure, okay? And on this sheet of paper, I stick my finger through the paper, and I tell the 2D stick figure, I want you to describe what you see. That 2D stick figure has no idea that it's my finger. All the 2D stick figure sees is a circle on a piece of paper. Doesn't know whether it's a carrot, my finger, or the Eiffel Tower, little tippy piece at the top. Right? Has no idea. So for us to explain, now we understand a 4D world pretty good, right? We got the 4D movies experience that helps us understand, like, hey, I can see it. I, I, I feel the little splashes of, of water. You know, my, my, my chair vibrates. So I get a 4D world. But we live in a 10-dimensional world. Anybody pretty good at describing Number five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You don't even know what it is, right? 
So it makes sense that we struggle to identify and put words. I was talking to Bobby Brunson after last service, and he said, thank you for describing heaven the way that you did. He goes, I've always struggled with this idea that I can't really describe heaven. And the way that you did it, it made so much sense and gave me so much relief of like, now it makes sense of why I am having trouble putting words to this whole concept. Another way to kind of think about it is, you know, our eyes are meant to see a hundred million colors. On the average day, me and you only see seven million so can you, do you think you can describe to other folks the other 93 million colors that our eyes should be able to see? We're only operating at a fraction of what the wholeness of what we will up in heaven. So this morning, what I want to do, I want to bring a little life. I want to put a little color to this idea of, of heaven. So to start off, the first thing that we know is this, is heaven is real. Heaven is real. Jesus said heaven is a real place. John 14, Jesus says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me also where I am. You know the way to the place that I'm going you see, Jesus lived in heaven. He lived in heaven before he came to this earth. So I think it makes him pretty credible of a person to tell us that heaven is real. You see, Jesus humbled himself. He came to this earth in the form of a baby. He came to rescue us. He came on a rescue mission for you and I. And what he's telling us is he's saying, listen, I've been to heaven. It's there, I promise you. It's a real place and it's eternal. This is no fairy tale. And he gives us this promise that there is life beyond this life. It's more glorious. It's more beautiful. It's more than anything that you could ever possibly imagine. Heaven is real. Stephen in Acts chapter 7 verse 55 was being stoned to death for preaching the gospel. And scripture says that being full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen looks up into heaven as he was dying and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Heaven is a place. Jesus is there. Stephen, he draws his last breath and that's exactly where he went. Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he went to heaven. Now, Paul, you got to realize, is one of the most prolific writers of human history. He's the greatest writer. In fact, he, he wrote 13 of the 27 New Testament books that we have in the Bible. Biblical scholars are still marveling at his writing. And even with this unbelievable talent that Paul has for writing and, and conveying thoughts... Listen to how he describes this experience of heaven. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for you and for me, for those who love him. Our eyes can't even conceptualize what heaven's going to be like. Our minds can't even possibly go there right now. Those were the only words that the greatest writer in human history could pin about this topic. 
John in the Bible saw heaven and goes on to write a traveler's guide about heaven in the book of Revelations. You see, God wants us to know where we're going. He doesn't want us to be in the dark. Listen, there's over 700 references in the Bible about heaven. One of those, he gives John this vision so that we can get a little insight into it. How many of you guys have ever gone to a trip and you researched the mess out of it, right? Like you know every restaurant. Come on, let me see your hands. Who's my researchers? Yeah. You research everything. Like you know every show, attraction, back alley that's got something cool, right? Now, isn't it interesting that we'll do this for a week in Hawaii, but we won't give eternity a thought? And let me stop you there. I do not say that to condemn you. Don't, don't put guilt on yourself. I do it just to say, that's, it's thought-provoking. We, we need to give heaven this weight because it changes our perspective here on this earth. It's something worth giving our attention to. Let me give you a little bit of insight of, of what John conveys to us in this vision that he has of heaven in Revelations. This is Revelations chapter 21. You can read it in, in its entirety if you want. It's 21 and 22. I'm going to give you just a couple verses to give you a hint, okay? <clears throat> it says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, this new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Oh, it had great high walls with 12 gates. 12 angels were at those gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length. Now, to give you that description and something that would make sense to you and I, that's 1,500 miles. Okay, we say, that's not that big a deal. That's a pretty big city. I mean, it's, it's, it's the size of half of the United States. And we say, well, they, that, I mean, for heaven, that doesn't even sound that really impressive. Okay, but you got to understand, it's 1,500 miles wide, long, and high. Okay, the tallest building that we have that man can build on the face of this planet is in Dubai. Okay, it's the Burj Khalifa, and it's 2,700 feet tall, about a half a mile tall. It's pretty impressive, right? Can you imagine a building 1,500 feet, 1,500 miles? I don't can either, but it's going to be fun to look at it. I'll tell you right now. The angels measured the wall using human measurements, and it was 144 cubits thick. That's a 216-foot thick wall. Foundations of the city were decorated with every kind of precious stone, and it goes on to list all of them. Jasper, sapphire, uh, emerald, onyx, and so on and so on and so on. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made with a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. Y'all, this is just one city in the vastness of what heaven is going to be. And I want you to go with me. I, I, I think that you begin to imagine what heaven could look like as I begin to read this. But I want you to go in the imagination of your mind. And I want you to, now to approach those city gates in heaven. It tells us that these gates, there's 12 of them, that they're made out of a single pearl. Now, I don't know about you, but that is one heck of an oyster. <laughs> like, have you seen an oyster in a, in, in, or a pearl in an oyster? It's tiny. Like, he's got to have a museum somewhere or something that, like, hey, here's the oyster that we got the, the pearls from for these gates. Can't wait to see it. 
got to dive into scripture, man. I'll tell you what, you can make it come alive. But these gates are massive. They're made out of a single pearl. He uses gold like we use asphalt. 93 million additional colors are going to be exploding for the first time. Overwhelming joy is going to consume us. We're not going to even fully be able to grasp everything probably of what our eyes are seeing for the first time. I want you to go along these streets and you see these mansions that he describes that he's made for you and I. And you begin to see names that you've read about your entire life. Ezra, Ruth, Paul, Gideon, Abraham. One name in particular that I'm really excited to see on the post of one of those mansions is my father, Bill Hammonds. I'm sure that you can think of some people in your life that you cannot wait to see as you come up to this mansion and you see their name and the joy that comes inside of you. It's a place that you and I will never be able to fully grasp, but it does its best job to help us here on this earth. Heaven is real. It's a place that everyone who believes in Jesus will spend eternity. And it isn't crazy to think that when that moment comes, that we will be in heaven instantly and forever. I mean, this is the place that the Bible describes as perfection. It's a place where there are no more tears. There's no more death. This is a place where there is no more depression, no more suicide, addiction, pain, suffering, sickness. Every negative thing stops immediately and forever. Y'all missing a good opportunity to get a little excited about something right there. I don't know about y'all, unless y'all live in a perfect life, that should get you jacked up. Absolutely no negativity can exist in this place called heaven. Because it's a place that is filled with joy, unexplainable. A place that is filled with so much happiness. This is a place of perfection, of completeness, of glory. Which, by the way, the greatest attraction in heaven is Jesus himself. We're not going to understand the, the glory that Jesus shined. Actually, one verse says there's not even a need for sun in heaven because of the glory that's going to come off of Jesus. First John chapter 3, verse 2 says this, that we will see him as he declares. The Bible teaches us that God, this is Romans chapter 8, that God will bring about the redemption of all things. You know what's interesting is that all things in Greek and in Hebrew actually means all things. Didn't even change between the languages. All things. Perfection will enter everything. Plants will be perfect. No longer will you plant a plant, forget to water it, and it go dead. <laughs> You'll never have to deadhead another plant. Right? It's going to be perfect. You can plant it, forget about it, it's going to be perfect for eternity. Animals will be perfect. The Bible says that babies will play with scorpions and rattlesnakes and not even care, uh, 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 have a care in the world of any danger. Animals will be perfect. Landscape will be perfect. Our minds will be made perfect, meaning no depression, no mental illness, no Alzheimer's or dementia, no anxiety, no nothing. Amen. You can clap. It's okay. <laughs> Redemption is the theme of heaven. God's mission was never destruction. God's mission is not obliteration. It's redemption. It's restoration. It's going back to the original design that he created in the Garden of Eden. He's going back to the original intent. 
Now, he gave us a taste of this when he sent his son Jesus, but he's also doing it with heaven as well. Culture will be redeemed. Music, art, science, food, agriculture. Like, how much better can food get? I don't know about you, but I love food. But food's going to even be better up in heaven. Some of the best restaurants that you've never even thought of are going to be up there. I mean, it's going to be great. Hope there's steak. But if you can see it, touch it, feel it, taste it, think about it, imagine it, it will be redeemed. Your body will be redeemed. Come on. You will have a glorious body, Scripture tells us. You and I will have a perfect, disease-free, never-dying body that never has to go to a gym and do a cardio class or lift up a dumbbell. Can I get a better amen for that right there? Glory on the high. I'm going to get a little. Whew. Come on. This is confirmed in, in Philippians. Here's what it says. But there is far more to life for us because we're citizens of the high heaven. We're waiting this arrival of the Savior who will transform our earthly bodies. Another description says our lowly bodies into glorious bodies like Jesus himself. He'll make us beautiful, whole, and with the same powerful skill by which he's putting everything as it should be under and around him. You see, we can't imagine a world not under the curse. We can't imagine a world not under the fall of humanity. Heaven brings with it the renewal of all things, Matthew chapter 19 says. Acts chapter 3 actually confirms this in this promise, and here's what it says. Whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of what? All things. Relationships will be restored. You see, this shows God's desperation to restore our relationship back with him to the original design, the original intent. Every single day, we're going to be in perfect relationship with him. No more guilt, no more condemnation. We will be in perfect relationship with him. And it doesn't even stop there. We're even going to love people perfectly in heaven that we can't stand here on earth. So Dave, I like everything you said, but I'm not sure about that one. But you don't have to worry about it because everything, all things will be redeemed. Listen, don't think that your best days are behind you. You don't even know what it means to be at your peak. That day will come. The greatest adventure possible awaits every single believer. And get this, the Bible tells us the moment that we die here on earth, that special attention is given by God to you. This is Psalms chapter 116. Here's what it says, that the Lord pays special attention when his faithful people die. You see, when a Christian dies, the first thing that will happen is angels will immediately be dispatched and will immediately come to you. This is Luke chapter 16. He's given us this parable between a rich man and a poor man, one going to heaven, one going to hell. Here's what it says. It says, finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at a heavenly banquet. That's cool. Like, I, Scripture doesn't tell whether the angels talk. I mean, I know they do because they talk throughout Scripture. I don't know if they say anything in this exact moment. But I can just imagine them be like, being super excited. Like, hey, here's my name. Like, Jesus is so excited to see you. Like, I don't know what that interaction is going to be. But clearly, angels immediately come. And this is the picture that I got is people are going to be in the room when that happens. 
All they're going to see is a lifeless body. But what's happening is angels are picking you up and hand-delivering to the, to the God of this universe. That's cool. At this point, you may be wondering something. At least at this point in my studies, I wondered this question. So naturally, here's going to be my next point, okay? So you may not have this question. I had this question. Journey with me, okay? So if all this happens, when we go to heaven, where do we go? Like, where is heaven, okay? You ready for this one? Y'all want to know? Okay, just make sure you're with me. It's early. I understand. All right, we understand that heaven is real, but heaven is a place. It's, it's a place like Charleston in, in the place, in the fact that Charleston is a place and it is somewhere, okay? Heaven is a place like Charleston, like the Eiffel Tower, like the Grand Canyon. It is a place. But don't type it into ways because there's not a map that will lead you to heaven. Now, you can. I did. I did it like five times to see if I get different places. For some reason, it keeps sending me to Verona, Wisconsin. I have no idea what's in Verona that looks like heaven, but... There better be something that looks like heaven there, right? But it's a place that has glorified bodies just like Jesus had on this earth after his resurrection. Scripture tells us that Jesus could walk, he could talk, he could eat, he could drink with his disciples. Okay, Jesus could be touched when he showed the scars to the people. People will be real. We won't just be these floating spirits in dumb towns of Cupid 2.0 on clouds playing harps. It's not how it's going to happen. Okay, all of that signifies that heaven is a place. All right, Dave, so where is it? Location of heaven is up. I know, it's profound. But as I search scripture, that's what the Bible told me. Okay, let's take a little journey. When Paul went to heaven, he went? Ephesians 4, verses 8 through 10, Jesus ascended to heaven and he came down to earth. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 tells us that the Lord himself will come down out of heaven. Psalms 121, when a man contemplates God, he looks. When John is given this vision in heaven, Revelation chapter 4 tells him, hey, come up here. The list goes on and on all throughout scripture. The new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, comes down to this earth. Well, Dave, this is kind of vague. I understand it, and you are right. Because we know that it's past earth. We know that it's past space that we understand it from that. But, but how far is it? Let's keep journeying. The farthest humans have gone in space is Apollo 13. It went about 250,000 miles. And yet... They didn't make it to heaven. They did it to the moon, but they didn't make it to heaven. The first machine that we have sent into space is Voyager 1, and it has gone 147 astronomical units. An astronomical unit is the distance between Earth and the sun. It's 93 million miles uh, in that distance. Voyager 1 has gone 147 astronomical unit, meaning that it has been traveling at 38,000 miles per hour for the last 45 years, and yet it has not made it to heaven. Heaven is up. Okay, let's just say that we can travel the speed of light. What's the speed of light? 186,000 miles per... There you go. Okay? Let's do some traveling. Let's just say that we can travel at that speed. Let's go to the moon. 
it's only going to take us 1.5 seconds to get to the moon. That's moving pretty fast. Pretty close. Not a big deal, right? We're going to need some patience for this next distance. If we want to go to Mars, that's going to take us 4 minutes and 21 seconds. Mercury's just a little hop, skip, and jump. Add nine more seconds to your journey, and you're going to be in Mercury. Now, let's get a little bit further out. Jupiter takes us some time. It's like going downtown. It's going to take us 35 minutes to get there, all right? All right, let's get some real big difference. I don't know how you pronounce this. Everybody does a difference. Uranus, Uranus, whatever it is, which, interestingly enough, is the Greek word for heaven. Did y'all know that? It's going to take 8,000 hours to get there, okay? But guess what? Billions of miles into our galaxies, and we still have not made it to heaven. Just our galaxy alone is the distance of 100,000 light years. The mind begins to stagger at something that large. But guess what? Go to the next image. See this little dot right here? Little blue one? That's our galaxy. There's billions of galaxies. Our mind can't even begin to understand how vast and how large it begins to stagger in thinking this big. Heaven is up, and it's a long way away, right? But get this. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be in paradise. Friends, that is moving fast. Not sure how he got there that fast, but it sure is fun to think about, right? How in the world could this be? What well, happens in the blink of an eye, Scripture says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. It will happen in the moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. Heaven is up, heaven is far, but heaven is near. You see, heaven encompasses our entire universe, and it is as big as our God, is, which is why it is so tough for us to grasp the grandeur of heaven, because we're stuck in this time-space world. It's hard for us to conceive of an endless, eternal heaven, but that's exactly what the Bible teaches Revelations 21 and, and, and chapter 22 give us a glimpse, and that's just one city in heaven. One city. And I don't know what it means when he says the redemption of all things, but it's fun just to imagine. In fact, Scripture encourages us to imagine. And even as good as we can possibly be, we're only getting to get to the half of it, it says. Right? But just for fun, I don't know what the renewal of all things looks like. Uh, but take one place, for instance. This is Mars, okay? Give a picture of, this is Olympus Mons. Have no idea this exists out in the world until I did some research. It's three times the size of Mount Everest. Makes Mount Everest look like a little baby. Not sure if that's in the heaven, but imagine it is. Might be. Might be able to get to it. 1.8 seconds. I don't remember what it was. You can be there pretty quick, right? This is Olympus Mons. How about the Grand Canyon? Grand Canyon is pretty large, right? Mars also has a canyon. It's the size of the United States, if you're wondering. It's massive. Called the Valles Marineris, which I think is pretty comical that whoever whoever was researching this was staring at a red planet and called a valley marineris. <laughs> he don't get too many creative points for that one. But I just wonder how, when the renewal of all things, it's going to be things that we can't imagine. I'm not sure what perfection looks like to God, but man, is it going to be fun when we get up there, isn't it? 
He said, Dave, what, what, what's this whole thing? Why is earth such a focal point in the story of heaven? Well, that's because earth is the story of where redemption played out. None of those other places does the scripture talk about. Heaven, Jesus came down out of heaven, came down to this earth, and the story of redemption played out on earth. Earth was touched by a supernatural God. Earth is where the blood of Jesus was spilled. This, this place that he redeemed his eternal people. So yes, heaven is a place. Heaven is real. And yes, it will incorporate what we know as earth now, but a redeemed earth. Earth in its perfect form. I want to end by giving you this quote because as I was doing some studying and research for this, it, it was a quote that really kind of jumped off of the page. And I want to give it to you here today. It's a quote by C.S. Lewis, and here's what it says. It says, if you read history, you're going to find that Christians who did the most for this present world were just those who thought the most of the next. Talking about heaven. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire. The great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, they all left their mark on this earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective. We've lost sight of heaven-minded thinking, and we've become so obsessed with earthly-minded that we've become so inefficient and here's the quote in this paragraph in his book that just, man, it made me kind of take a step back. Listen to this line. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get nothing. Pretty thought-provoking, isn't it? Here, here's my encouragement to every single one of us. To the best of our ability. Let, let's make the most of every single moment. You see, the more that we dive into heaven, the more our vision changes for what we are to accomplish here on this earth. At the end of the day, the most important thing is to grow the kingdom of God. That is our purpose. That is our mission. That is what's going to matter for all of eternity. But yet sometimes we get so stuck in the here and now, the deception of the here and now, so what does that look like? We're humans. We're going to mess up. We're going to be tired. We're going to get home and not feel like doing something. I understand that. But to the best of our ability, let's make a difference for the kingdom of God. Let's make a difference in the lives of our family. That's an easy place to start. Let's make a difference in the lives of our friends and, 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 and reaching out to them and calling out on them and encouraging them. Let's make a difference with the people that we've been blessed to be able to work around. Let's make a difference for the folks that we just meet in a store or we interact with because they help us out at our house or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of interactions that we have. And the best thing that we can do is make a difference in those worlds. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this amazing just topic of heaven. Lord, I just love that you care so deeply about us that you want to spend eternity with us. Father, I ask right now that every single one of us online here in this room, Lord, that we would become less earthly-minded and more heavenly-minded. 
Father, there's never a time period where we lack in our devotions because we can always turn to this topic of heaven, that we can grow, we can learn, we can get a vision for what you have for our life. So, Father, I just ask that we can make an eternal difference because one day we're going to get up in heaven and we're going to see those mansions that are lined for miles and miles and we're going to come across one and go, oh, my goodness, I remember so-and-so when I met him in the store. I had no idea that I was going to make that kind of impact. But just those simple words of encouragement was the seed that allowed them to have a relationship with you. Oh, I remember the night where my friend knocked on my door super, super late. And I was able to have a conversation with them and ended up leading them. So I completely forgot about that story, but they're, they're going to spend eternity in heaven with us now because of that time. Father, would you give us opportunities to make that difference? You know, I um, keep your heads closed and your eyes bowed. I didn't have this as a part of the service, but I just feel this nudging and this prompting to do so. But it's hard to have a conversation about heaven and not give an opportunity that if you're on the fence and you just say, you know what, Dave, I hear you saying all this kind of stuff, but that 184,000 people that you say die every single day, I don't know which side of the fence I'm on. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't know if I'm going to hell. You know, really easily you can settle that. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how many good works you do. The Bible is very clear. As long as you believe that he died on the cross, rose again, you confess it with your mouth, that's it. Nothing else. And so if you're here this morning and you just seem to say, Dave, I, I just, let me make sure. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If that's you here this morning, would you just simply raise your hand? That's all you got to do. And then we're going to repeat a prayer as, together as a church. Right now, if that's you, just raise your hand. I see you over here on the left. Middle, back left, back corner, up in the balcony, middle section. I see you right here in the middle. I see you right here. This right section, a couple people in the right section, a couple hands over here in the far right. Online, any, anybody who's saying, yes, you can do the oil, wave hand emoji, whatever you got. Last chance. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yep, okay, I see your hand. It's amazing. Settle in this piece. All right, here's what we're going to do. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, but every voice lifting their voice. You can put your hands down if that was you. But I want you to know that when you say this prayer, that salvation is now. And for the rest of eternity, you can settle in your heart. You know where you're going to spend it. Everybody repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I surrender my life. I give it all to Jesus. Jesus, save me. Save me from my sins. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. Fill me with your spirit so I can know and follow you. I give it all to you. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Come on, let's give a big round of applause. I'm going to tell you right now, unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. So, so proud of you guys. I'll tell you, over the last two weeks, we've had over 150 uh, folks do that. You've seen people take that next step. Over 50 people took that next step of baptism. God is on the move. He's doing major things in people's lives. And I love to see the miracle of Jesus in y'all's life. Would you join us next week as we continue this journey of understanding what it means to be made for heaven? Y'all ready for that? All right, guys, stand up. Let me bless you.
Lord bless you with an amazing week, knowing that you are made for heaven. Know that you will make a difference in this life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Have a great weekend. Love you guys so much. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.